This is the reality of it. You know, we're not going to stop emitting tomorrow. We know that. And, the, and a lot of people probably don't realise if we did st stop emitting tomorrow, we'd still see two degrees of warming um, because of the legacy load that's already out there. So we need to be able to draw down carbon now to be able to buy us time to slow down and, and stop emitting. And, mm. and um, you know, that's what Transition. I'm really passionate about agriculture playing a playing a huge role and and when you start touting those numbers like that that's eminently achievable that was mick Wittenhall, and you're listening to the regenerative journey we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout australia and internationally and their continuing connection to culture community land sea and sky and we pay our respects to elders past present and future G'day, I'm your host Charlie Arnott and in this podcast series I'll be uncovering the world of regenerative agriculture, its people, practices and principles and empowering you to apply their learnings and experience to your business and life. I'm an 8th generational Australian farmer who transitioned my family farm from industrial methods to holistic regenerative practices. Join me as I dive deep into the regenerative journeys of other farmers, chefs, health practitioners and anyone else who's up for yarn and find out why and how they transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to The Regenerative Journey with Charlie Arnott. G'day. Well, here's part two of that uh, lengthy um, and fascinating chat with Mick Wettenhall from Trangy. Um, and here we talk more about carbon farming, um, the, the, uh, the rewarding essentially of farmers um, uh, of the carbon that they, are, they can potentially sequest. Um, we danced all over the place. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really fascinating yarn with Mick. And, um, and we talked about some, I guess, sort of personal development stuff towards the end there too, which was, which was I'm glad we touched on because it's certainly something that farmers aren't renowned necessarily for um, thinking about, touching on, learning, learning about or developing. And um, Mick and I had done the same, same sort of um, uh, series of courses um, which uh, which gave us some some uh, an opportunity to, to chat about that and share share with uh, with you guys. So um, I hope you enjoy as much as I did uh, this second half of my interview with Mick Wettenhall. And tell me about um, uh, mentoring. We were talking last night about sort of farming groups and, and some associations you've got. What, 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 how important has that been to you? Um, yeah, I've been. Um, and it's only this year that I've uh, been um, sort of signed on with the Australian Soil Planners Group. Um, ben Smith, who's a local bloke here, is every bigger, bigger, bigger nut as I am um, with sort of stuff. Um, Ben's been with them for a long time, and it's just a group of farmers, like-minded, are thinking um, the same way. Everyone's sort of dabbling now in the whole cover cropping space, and um, you know it's. Uh, you know, as I was saying to you last night, we're probably uh, they reckon we there's thirty seasons in us as a as a farmer where you're um you know where you're doing things on your own where you're making your own decisions with not you know uh, the bright you know the previous generation or the next generation that are involved in the decision making. Um, so there's only so much you can learn on your own, and that's where I think this is really important to surround yourself, you know, with people that are like-minded, doing things the same, uh, you know, the same way that you're trying to do it. And, and yeah, no point uh, paying, you know, buying a lesson that someone's already uh, paid money for. 
um, well, I'll give it to you for free. So um, it's just about that group learning and uh, and it's, f- it's simple. Like it's it's very much profit focused. It's not green and, f- you know, wishy-washy or fuzzy. There's nothing about that. It's all outcomes profit driven, but focus on, on reducing um, synthetic fertilisers, you know, um, chemistry, getting away from group B chemistry, which um, has a significant impact, you know, proven significant impact on on, on the soil um, and, yeah, trying to build, you know, diversity um, into the system. Like I said, everyone's sort of dabbling with cover crops now, so everyone's learning. We're all learning sort of together. So, yeah, it's um, it's pretty. I'm pretty excited to be part of the group. And how how does that function? You 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 catch up on uh, you were saying on WhatsApp, I think it was. Do you sort of come together and do farm visits? How does that how does it sort of the so it's a, the- yeah, and again, I'm only this is only my first year at it. Um, but they meet twice a year. Um, once before winter crop, obviously pre COVID. Uh, once before winter crop. Once before summer crop. Um, and yet, uh, yeah, sort of. Um, that face two face to face meetings a year, and there's a WhatsApp group that people can post pictures of what they're doing and and, and results and and um, you know ask questions, ideas. Yeah, good support mechanism. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, talking about that, what about mentors? Have you had any significant um, people in your life that you have? Um, you know, I guess relied on or or, or or gone to, you know, at times for, um, you know, whether that be just farming or life um, life lessons or questions or answers or, you know, is there sort of how and how important has that been in your your world? Oh, I mean, there's obviously from a um, professional perspective any, any of the luminaries that are out there, you know, that I've uh, – I've, um, yeah, I've looked to that are that are doing stuff that I'm like who, trying who, to achieve. Oh, you know, I'm come sp- on, pump their tires up. Oh, I don't know. You know, I, I'm a big fan of John Kemp. For, you know, I listen to his webinars all the time. Like I said, I'm a self-confessed pet head, and he's mm. got all you know stuff in there that's really digestible. Sort of makes sense putting the pieces together. Um, so I listen to a lot of his stuff. He's got a new book, Quality Agriculture. Oh, available now. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We'll um, put that in the show notes, John. Um, and uh, we just there's just we uh, the digital age. There's no excuse for not knowing anything mm. right now. You know what I mean? Like it's just if you uh, once upon a time you'd I wonder what the answer is to that, and that's where it would stop. You know, <laughs> that's when you can get away with staying, saying stuff at a dinner party that was totally bloody. No one could, could, could <laughs> fallacious, and no one could check you out. And then within within five minutes, now you're going. Actually, you're wrong, mate. <laughs> that's total crap. Deflate. So, um, that's yeah. So it's it's all out there, and and like I said, there's just so much so much to learn, and so much that we don't know, and it's a, it's really exciting. Talking about stuff that we're just sort of getting our heads around. Tell me about um, plant farming microbes because that's that's a new, yeah, it's a, a new, yeah, plants so farming microbes. I should say that's a new. That's really something. Just, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, it's something that I only just came across uh, um, more recently, um, and that's this is the whole thing about you know why we're trying to get away from synthetic um, fertilizers because their impact on the biological function. In soil, so you know, someone came up with this idea that we can put on just the right amount of nutrients at just the right time to to 
to get nutrient dense food and it's just it's ridiculous to even think that we can do that so plants need specific nutrients at specific times and and they need to be able to moderate that um so and we need to get out of the way as uh, as much as possible for that to happen but the what what you're referring to is um rhizophagy it's just uh, uh, Dr. James White has gone on with it in the States, but it was originally, um, I think, discovered in Australia in 2013. So we're going to claim that one. But um, he uh, talks about how... F- how where was... Where, do we know where? Or was it at a uni? Oh, somewhere? I just... Yeah, and I can't tell you off the top of my head, mate. I'll find out. But I could find out. It was... Um, uh, yeah, but... Um, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie discovery, though. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take that. We'll take it. We'll run with that. Um but uh, he's talking about how how plants will actually farm microbes. So they'll put out a certain set of exudates to attract a certain set of microbes into the into the root, and they'll actually bring those microbes into the into the root, and then they'll break those microbes down, um, take off the 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 outer cell walls of the of the bacteria, um, and that's a source of of nitrogen. We wonder where nitrogen comes from if we don't pour it out of a bag. You know, it doesn't all have to come. Um, you know, from uh, from rhizobium, then we've got free living nitrogen fixes, but we've also got this form of nitrogen that we never realised was there, and it's a significant amount. So, the plants will actually um, break down the the cell walls of the of the bacteria, and the protoplasm just blobs around in the in the root and reproduces, and they makes more of them, and then they spit them back out into the soil. Uh, and then um, set the trap again and bring more in, you know. So it's about the plant will ask for a specific um, nutrient at a specific time in its growth stage, and that's what we need to to be able to facilitate as much as we can. So it doesn't mean we can't put on units of P. Like we all know that if you don't, if you have really low P in soils, well, you're not going to you know do much, you know. Like we need um, it's the building blocks of all uh, of all cell life is is phosphorus, and if we if we don't have a, a you know significant amounts to get the plants to grow, well then we need to address that. But we don't have to necessarily address it with with um, uh, you know MAP. There are other ways. That we can do it and still build um, that uh, that that plant um, plant microbe association, mm. phosphorus association, and strengthen it year in year out. That we need less and less. So um, that's what that's the focus that we're you know really putting on. You know, I haven't used a I haven't used any MAP here for um, probably I don't know eighteen years or something mm. like something like that. That's fascinating, and I and I know. As I was saying this morning or last night, you know, there's a lot of the stuff. I mean, I, I talk about grazing a lot because I am one, and 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 not really doing much cropping, bit of bit of pasture cropping. But the, um, you know, the the cropping in cropping circles, they're interested, some some dismissive, but mainly interested in how the, how this sort of, you know, how um, how uh, how does one transition to a different way of doing things? You know, getting less reliant on inputs from outside, and you know, brewing your own stuff, or you know, using a more um, biologically friendly sort of um, uh, sort of product. So you know, that's it's it's a it's a you know, just getting those people into the headspace that um, it's not actually a, um, a hard it's not a hard task to sort of start start you know, to start easing into. A more natural way of doing things, you know, that we can actually, you know, if we if we if we understand nature, if we understand plant biology, 
and we understand that a lot of these processes are, are, are going to take place if we just let them, then that's actually stepping into that space already. You know, that, that, that it's not like a, I've got to stop doing this and start doing that. Is almost like an own, and it, certainly in a grazing situation, you know, we stopped doing a lot of things, um, which we understood at a point in time that we're probably being um, destructive or not destructive, but just weren't helping things. Yeah, you know, we were actually standing in the way of nature doing its thing. So it's the same, you know, I'm not surprised or we shouldn't be surprised that um, that the this this the the plants have this mechanism for for for, for grabbing, trapping microbes to bring them what they what they need. Like this is just mm. a it's just a, a um, and that will happen if we let it, won't it? Yeah, and it and it will and the you've I suppose the thing is you have to um, uh, be asking those questions all the time. You, you're not going to go out and just switch over to a, stop using MAP or whatever. You're mm. going to, you know, we've got to take a take a really measured approach to to transitioning away from from some of these um, props that we've been using in in the past, but. It's a you know uh, there's a great saying I came across the other day which is um, think big start mm. small scale fast and it's it's a really um, good way to to attack this um, this transition so don't let your thinking get in the way of what's possible you know you want to be you know Gabe Brown talks about if I'm not failing you know two or three times a year I'm not trying so mm. you've got it we've got to keep asking the questions of what else is possible and you need to ask those questions on an area where it's not going to impact you financially and that you can see it right through um, and then you can then measure that um, the outcome and then you can scale it scale it from there um, and that's I think the way we've we've got to take a really measured approach you can't just you know we've all been guilty of it where you just think uh, yeah we're just gonna you know move across and do this and and you, and you end up taking a fair bit of bark off <laughs> <laughs> no lessons like bought ones mate you know no totally and i've been there and yeah and done that so i don't advocate um for people just to go cold turkey or anything it's only a mistake if you do it twice Mm. That's it. Talking about, well, not talking about mistakes. But let's talk about the potential. We just touched on that this morning about you know we have generally a pretty low carbon base that a lot of farmers are working with um, at this point in time for whatever reason. There's been lots of sort of contributing factors to that. Let's talk about the potential. Like what as 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 a, as an industry, as a as a profession, you know what 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 what's the possibility for us? Um, I mean, how long is a piece of string? Like it really is. This is what this is what excites me the most is that sub one percent soil carbon. Are uh, we using ten, fifteen, twenty percent of the capacity of soil? I don't know. You know, I couldn't. That figure's arbitrary, obviously, but it'd be somewhere in that in that vicinity. Um, and the potential of agriculture to be able to store anthropogenic. Um, um, emissions is, uh, you know, with the with some of this newer work that's coming through, we've we've been able to fix rates uh, carbon in soil at rates that you know up to ten times um, more than we originally thought. So, um, extrapolating those numbers out over the area of arable agriculture, you know, you'd only have to have twenty five percent of that area would be required to take up all anthropogenic 
emissions. We're, we're talking about on the twenty five percent of the arable land in, in, in on, on the earth on earth. Yeah, that we farm. Yeah, that we yeah. farm currently. Yeah. yeah. So that um, even if it's if it's fifty percent. So this is the reality of it. You know, we're not going to stop emitting tomorrow. We know that. And, the, and a lot of people probably don't realise if we did st- stop emitting tomorrow, we'd still see two degrees of warming um, because of the legacy load that's already out there. So we need to be able to draw down carbon now to be able to buy us time to slow down and, and stop emitting. And, mm. and um, you know, that's what Transition. I'm really passionate about agriculture playing a, playing a huge role. And, and when you start touting those numbers like that, that's eminently achievable. When if, you say arable, if, you were talking farming yeah, arable. Yeah, yeah. So that's not even. That's David Johnson's. Um, numbers, yes, yeah. So that's using um, his numbers and his beam um, approach. Mm. Um, you probably want to put him in your show notes if people haven't totally, um, yeah, come across him because his his works his work work is really groundbreaking. And so, just probably a good thing to to note. So that's in the arable farming land. So that's that's food production. And that's not considering so twenty five percent of of our arable land. If if we were to con, con, you know, convert that, or we could, that's the low hanging fruit. That's not even thinking about the um, the even larger area of grazing land that 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 could be you could, so could be utilised. Just to qu- yeah, to qualify that, uh, and I and I probably need to to work that number out. Mm. Whether is he is he talking about grazing? It says arable land, so I'm assuming. Farming, farming, but yeah, um, but still, it. My point is, it really mm. is. It's it really is achievable. Like I said, an area the size of Africa we graze, area the size of South America that we farm. Mm. You know, it's massive, massive mm. potential. It's, um, yeah, it's exciting. So, how do we get? Um, you know, there's. It's. In, I mean, I guess with in the world of COVID, there's a lot. Obviously, a lot more airtime for. Um, you know, the COVID. Factor, you know, human health and survival of the species, as it were, um, from a you know a, 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 that 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 sort of um, impact. How do we how do we get people to think about? I mean, so there's a, there, I guess what I'm saying is there's a bit of a deflection of attention, I think, at the moment and maybe in the future of um, carbon and, and and climate change. Okay, because people are, at the moment are going, oh, well, that's all fine, but I'm actually just trying to make sure I'm not dead tomorrow. You know, there's sort of a, I think there's a bit of a shift in, in, in people's thinking for how long we don't know. How do we get people, putting that bit aside, how do we get people who are in the debate thinking about, talking about climate change, how do we get them to sort of get them to a point of going, you know what, it's actually not that um, complicated. We have the tools, we have the biology, we have the, the, the experience now of, you know, uh, uh, to be able to um, address this issue? Like how do we get people to understand that and, 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 and support the adoption of that? I'm not just talking about, you know, your neighbour or someone. Yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about no, someone no. who's buying, you know, food in Sydney. How, how do you think we sort of get them on the page and get them behind us? I think um, Paul Gilding's book, The Great Disruption, I don't know if you've read that. Um, but he I will now. he talks about um, you know how climate change um, it's coming we're, we're going to hit it head on but he's got quite a a um, upbeat take on it he sort of says right the way through the book he said humans we've proved in the past we're dumb but we're not stupid um, that we're slow to react but when we do we really rally and 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 get you know get stuff done and and I I, um, I like to think that we're sort of getting to that that point now 
um, mm. where we've – and this is where, uh, you know, taxes aren't going to sort it, you know, um, people aren't going to do stuff out of the goodness of their own heart. They, we've got to have market-driven solutions and they've got to be the markets that, we've, that we're in now um, and the key to drive that is the conscious consumer. And I think this is the this is what excites me. This is the opportunity for businesses going forward. And it doesn't matter what business you're in. It's about positioning yourself in the marketplace to to not greenwashing like we've seen in the past, but but really out there demonstrably making a difference to the to the problem. You know, um, uh, to being a significant um, player. And that's where because you've got a conscious consumer that wants. You know, it's you've got their attention now. And you're seeing it in the corporate world here now. They're all looking at, at ways they can they can do that, and that's what's that's what's going to drive it. Um, I'm sure of that. How how do you think the mums and dads who are, um, you know, not to say they've got a louder or or, or 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 less of a voice than corporates, but how do you think um, they can get on the page or sort of support or encourage or 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 sort of be part of the you know this solution? Yeah, I, you know, we've got to provide places for people to push. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying about businesses mm-hmm. out there. Let's put products out there. You've got their attention now, so create a product or a service that people can patronise to to make that difference. Mm. And that's that's where it's at. And that's so, where we're so, evolving to really quickly. So, someone, a farmer who is um, uh, making his good clean food available to Consumers to people yeah, in the city, yeah. But we do have to be able to do that. You know, someone like you know, Joel Salton, um, that sort of model is fantastic and it's brilliant. But you know, what's the reality of us all? You mm. know, doing that. It's sort of he's got four million people on his doorstep that he can supply a significant amount of restaurants. You know, I could do that here in Trangy and Narromine, and you know, like it's sort of we've yeah, got to have, we've got to, ha- yeah, yeah, we've got to have, um, we've got to have market structures and systems and facilities that facilitate you know mm. um this um this movement mm. so there's um there's more um I'm, I'm seeing and finding more funds you know people are more interested in um putting their funds into ag you know not so much mums mm. and dads but more you know the big end of town are really looking at at this as a, a solution, I know that um, through um, the soil carbon company, you, you know you've you've got some you've you've attracted some funding from from a number of people. You know, is that is that um, has that been obviously it's been important, but do you see that as being a, a movement or a, a real trend? You know, are you seeing that that um, you know corporates are wanting to get involved, and is it is it just funds, or do they want to sort of, is there some sort of social licence stuff that they're looking for as well? You know, they're sort of, whether it's carbon offsets literally, or whether it's just, oh, I want to be associated with this this movement, you know, do you think there's... Yeah, I think, so. I think everyone's looking at the carbon space as this massive potential no one wants to miss out, you know, mm. um, and... Um, there, there is a lot of money, you know, invested around the world. I think, you know, Endophyte technology is probably uh, it's the next frontier um, in agriculture, and it's sort of the old model. We're breaking away a bit from the old model, but the the old model was a really good model in that you had multinational corporations providing solutions for low carbon soils um, that create less carbon that require more solutions 
ever so slowly year in, year out. Do you know what I mean? Like that model, perfect. You know, mm. who would upset that? <laughs> so, um, but that model is slowly being upset and now those mm. bigger companies are looking, well, what else do we do? Where's the next step? And that's, you know, not necessarily going to lead the way, but they're, they're, they're following quickly. Um, and that's where we'll see. Is it the only thing that's missing here is money? You know, like at the at the end of the Who's day. Who's got it? Well, mate, it's. I mean, you hear about it. It's it's everywhere, and these massive corporations have got massive amounts of money. And when you start throwing money at some of these problems, there's there's one um, particular product that I know that that a big multinational chemical um, corporation developed, and I know that the the R and D budget on that. Particular chemical it was only just for broadleafs in in crop. One one chemical does a specific job. Was five hundred million dollars to develop one chemical, and that to me is just absolutely astounding. I imagine imagine we start putting some of those sort of numbers towards developing, you know, soil health and biologicals and systems. Um, then we will see massive, massive ground made really really quickly. Isn't that? I mean, is that's a bit of a defining, um, defining thing between you know um, a business that is putting that much money into a into a, um, a a chemical input, and then they can justify that expense because they know that there's a business model beyond that to support mm. the that investment. Totally. So. So with with the technology, well, I don't want to use the word technology, but with the the biology. That that you're helping develop, Mick. You know, is not that this is your motivation, but I mean, I can see it being a reasonably different business model. Yes, you're selling a product, you're putting some some R and D into it, an investment of your time um, to produce something. Understandably, but like, you know, is is this a different business model? Is as in, is this empowering farmers more using this biology? Yes, it's an input, but is it empowering farmers in a different way than, say, if they were using something they got, you know, they got out of a bag that, you know, is is not not biology. You know, is there a different sort of a business model or a different sort of, I guess, um, direction they're heading? You know, because I, um, I think uh, farmers all know. You talk to farmers about soil carbon, like they all know what soil carbon is. They just don't know how to do it. Like, mm. show us how we do it. Like, and we'll do it. Um, and that's a that's the reality that that we have at the minute. But this is where what will drive um, the whole this whole development of this of this industry is getting that um, getting the methodology to 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 build soil carbon, the methodology then to measure it, um, and then remunerate farmers. Accordingly, and this is the thing that I'm really passionate about. I suppose is that we and farmers need to be remunerated properly. Like it seems with farming, we're at the end of the line, aren't we? It's sort of like we don't make you make a little bit of money for a while, then people down the chain sort of find out, oh, you're making a bit. We'll just take that, <laughs> <laughs> take that. There's back. a few yeah, sets of hands yeah, there, isn't there? There is, and and we don't we don't we don't get to pass that off to anyone else. We pass it off to the to the soil, and that's where the where the impact is. R- Rattan Lyle. Got a great quote, and it's just so true. He said that um, uh, that when a farmer is um, poverty stricken and suffering, he passes that suffering onto his land, 
And that, for me, that is the key point, uh, you know, that we need to address. So a guy and I flew to, um, we went to, to um, COP22 um, in Marrakesh and I was, you know, I thought there was a fair bit of um, slash and burn sort of agriculture here in Australia, but you fly a plane over Africa and, oh, my God, yeah. like it is terrifying. It's just we sat on a, on a train for three hours from Casablanca to, 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 um, to Marrakesh and there was not a piece of native veg. It was ploughed to the horizon. It was like they're all going to put one crop in all at once and there was no refuse from last year's crop or – was just I was just astounded by it, mm. um, and no one could tell us what was going on. But we talked to a to a um, a mob over there, um, the Agricultural African um, uh, Initiative. I can't remember what their what their mob was exactly, but they, their goal was to um, uh, to achieve um, uh, um, soil degradation neutral neutrality or something. I thought. Wow, that's a <laughs> lofty goal. <laughs> well, so it was almost like they wanted to get it to a state where it was totally controlled. It was almost like just a. Well, no, they just just wanted to. They wanted just to main just to maintain soil. You know, to, okay. To, to, to so neutrality, as in it's neutrality, not getting worse, we're not, getting better, not getting worse, not getting better. But let's okay. just get there yeah. and hold there. And State, sustainable, as it were. And that's where you know we're not. That's such a big part of of the soils that we're talking about in that in that budget and we have to get that to those third world farmers that mm. don't necessarily have access you know um to to technology and uh, information and and all that sort of stuff and we that and that needs to be addressed so we've got to you know we've got to stop that poverty stricken and suffering if we want to stop the land from suffering we've got to remunerate farmers yeah. and that's where we've got to make we've when we work this out, that we've got to make sure that farmers get remunerated, um, uh, you know, accordingly, and we don't we don't lose that, um, and that's yeah, that's critical. And I guess a part of that's also the input costs, isn't it? I mean, I guess a system that is relying on a recipe and every year, and you know, you you, you and and the inputs in a, you know, I know certainly when we were cropping. Um, you know, our 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 chemicals and our fertilizers and things. Yeah, you know, it's a pretty 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 tidy sum per hectare that you're sort of pumping out every year, and that becomes repetitious. You know, there's some variations with it's a broadleaf, you know, like a canola or a wheat, and so on, and things have changed a bit now. But you know, that is a, a an input cost that you know you're going to have to suck up every year, pretty much. You know, in the, in the, in the certainly system we were we were we were in, and I think you know I think a wonderful difference between that system and maybe what you were doing and what you're doing now is that you know your inputs potentially are. A cheaper. You're also making. You know, we talk about the Johnson Sioux in a minute. You're making some of that yourself, but that there's also potentially as as one builds, you know, whether someone's using biodynamics or um, or you know your your your, your fungal sort of product there, the inoculant or something like that. That over time, soil carbon's being built. That there's there will be a less lesser reliance on a recipe, lesser reliance on. On, on an input because will that system start almost maintaining itself? There'll be obviously management of it, but will there be, you know, the more carbon we build, the more water-holding capacity we're going to achieve, the more microbial biology and, the, and, the, and the, you know, is there is this system, I guess, compared to the old system, one where, you know, it's heading towards a more self-sustaining um, uh, uh, situation where, 
you just don't going to go up oh, every year. I'm going to do this. You might inoculate every year if you're sowing crops, but there's a there's yeah you know, potentially it's a more stable, resilient system. And it w- will be, but again, we're going to be driven by um, by the market. So if you know you can you can we've we've got that uh, um, resource base that we're building up in in the soil um, that. We can, if we're not being remunerated for for that carbon that we're putting in there, well, we can use that carbon then to chase yield, to you know, to grow more commodities, um, and that's the challenge. And that's where, like I said, the carbon really needs to be, um, you know, the item on the balance sheet, um, along with all your other your other enterprises. And that's where it needs to get to. If we don't, you know, what I mean, if we don't have that, um, then there'll be well, shit. Now all of a sudden, there's not that much. You know, wheat in the market, or or whatever, and then the the price goes to you know four hundred dollars a ton, or and then so farmers go chasing yield, and you can chase yield at the mm. expense of that soil carbon research. Mm. So mm. do you know what I mean? This is where it's really critical that the world acknowledges um, the need, you know, for this um, carbon sequestration that that has to happen. That natural capital that farmers are in, investing and put a price on that, and then. Maybe we might stop flooding the world with um, low-quality commodities that we get less money for. That mm. makes us chase yield. That mm. makes us use more of resources the and resources yeah. and yeah. and the carbon footprint. You know, yeah. like we just, you know, we're crazy how we we seem to to do that. But and the and the wonderful thing is too, you know, that the the better the 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 better the products are that are being produced in this. You know, dare I say, more natural sort of way of doing things, you know, um, then it, then that has an impact on, on the people buying, it, doesn't it? People, oh. you know, people who eat food, you, you know, you have the choice of buying. Everyone still has a choice any day. Well, most people do, not everyone, of course, but of buying this or that. You know, it's the low quality or the higher quality stuff. You know, so a wonderful thing with what you're doing, you know, essentially is helping farmers who what are, what do farmers do? They grow food. Mm. That's that's pretty much what they're what they're doing is actually producing food that is going to be better for the end end well whoever's going to eat it. And I think we we're seeing that now with talking about technology and the exponentiality of technology. What we're seeing coming through, people, you know, we don't, uh, we don't, you know, you can't manage what you can't what you don't measure mm. is the old adage. And and um, if you're actually getting into the into the grocery store and you're putting your iPhone over a over a cucumber or a bloody zucchini or whatever, yeah. and you think, oh, that one's better than that one. Mm. You know, like farmers aren't going to do stuff out of the goodness of their heart, and the the consumer, you know, can't jump up and down and say we should be doing farmers should be doing things a certain way. You depict what farmers do. So mm. if there's not a market for for you know genetically modified tomatoes, then they yeah. won't be grown. Farmers won't grow. That's right. So you know, this is where it's got to be driven you know, from that. From the market, and as you say, the technology is out there, and it's been developed that you literally can walk in and go, you know, what's the chemical load of that? Yep. You know, does it or doesn't it? And also, what's the nutrition? You know, the nu- nutritional density of that, which I think is a, you know, that's going to be a real game changer because instead of um, instead of consumers relying on a label, you know, like organic, yep, certified, and I, I know I've t- tasted plenty of crap organic certified food because yep. it's just a as we were saying last night it's more of a 
um, abhorrence of chemical than it is for a you know, the nutrient, yeah, it's like, oh, what are, what aren't you doing? What what are the inputs? What's yeah. you know, what's I the don't use chemicals, but I plough three times a year. Yeah, you know? and I right. don't I don't usually sort of you know, there's, there's no fertility program I'm, I'm I'm doing, and so it's actually pretty much empty, you mm. know, empty sort of food. Yep. So I think, you know, once consumers have the ability to to literally choose between this or that by using an app, which could just literally be on their phone, they walk into any shop and and do a quick scan. I mean, that's going to be that's going to be a game-changing drive for farmers to do, you know, because that comes down to quality. You know, mm. we are, and I, I, you know, I, I certainly was. I was, I was a commodity farmer, and it was about quantity. Yes, you know, quality. You know, how much protein this versus that, and obviously you get paid for the better protein in a wheat in a sort of basic sort of way. Um, so that's a quality component, but in terms of it was yield. Mm. Yeah, you know, you know, it was, it was and it yield. had to be because of the input. So totally. you had to you had to chase the yield. So it was a simple calculation, wasn't it? Like you know, chasing your tail. That's exactly mm. right. So, but now if there's a if the emphasis and and the 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 um, the drive is the people who are buying this food or this stuff, this commodity, actually want the better quality stuff, and they can they can they can make that choice. You know, then that's going to be um, a driver. And if you know what, and I think it's if that's what forces farmers, and I say not forces, but if that steers farmers to a direction of going, oh, okay, if I'm now getting paid on quality, and my 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 supply chain that I'm involved in is reliant on the quality at the other end, maybe that's a good reason to look at what I'm doing at my end to make it a better quality product. Mm. You know, market gets what market wants, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. at the end of the day, and farmers will produce it if you, if you demand first, it. Yeah. Yeah. So and this is this is this is the thing, you know. I mean, farmers, you know, seem to be, you know, heavily criticised the way we do stuff out here. And at the end of the day, it's consumer yeah, it depicts what, 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 what we what we grow. So those um, of you listeners out there who eat food, um, oh, hang on, what's happened there? Oh, my little cameras just excuse me, listeners there. It's just buddy. Oh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do that. Sorry, people. I'm going to put that back on there. Do that. I might turn itself <laughs> off there. I think you're low, low, low power mode, mate. Uh, I am now. Yeah, I must have been banging on. <laughs> I have a no, ten- I love it. I have a tendency. You have a tendency. Yeah, no, Kirsty warned me about that. No, I knew that already. <laughs> That's why I'm here, mate. Um, where was I heading with that one? Um, Talking oh. about, yeah, food and the consumer and um, – yeah, demanding. Oh, that's it. Yeah, so a demand economy is you know is is where we need to really um, you know head. We, yes, we you know you, economics one hundred and one supply demand, and yes, that I guess that's a, that's certainly a business model, and that's an econo- economic model. But I I can't agree, agree more that if if it you know a healthy economy is one that's based on on the demand, you know, because people supplying stuff without the demand, and as farmers we we're, we're pretty good at that. We put a crop in, or we we we, we you know produce. Protein, whatever it is, and, and not knowing where we where we're gonna where we're gonna sell that, you know, or, or and look, we're not in control of that situation, but but uh, you know, in terms of the demand, but but if we step into the shoes of those consumers and we actually create the demand and we educate them, you know, whether it's um, I mean, there's any number of ways they can be educated, and and even the use of that technology and saying, next time you go to the grocery shop, put this in your hand and go and test those tomatoes and tell yeah. me which one you want, you know, I think that's a really powerful. You know, as farmers, I think it's a really it's a good investment of our time, however that might look. To to is that Ryan? It is, mate. 
Struth. Was that on the... It's, a weekly, you, it's a weekly event here at Tra- Trangy. Um, did you put your order in? No, oh, mate, oh, I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Speak too loudly about. I'm not going to whinge about rain yeah, after the last three years. <laughs> um, so that I think that's a real a step forward. Now getting to something else. Um, uh, oh, Johnson Sue. Let's let's stick with the farming sort of stuff. You just showed me the Johnson Sue setup you got out there because we've talked about the inoculant that that's in the pipeline. Yep. Um, the other or one one at least and another one of your sort of I guess inputs and part of your fertility program, as it were, is the Johnson Sue. Talk us talk us through that sort of. What it is and and how you're using that in your in your um on the farm here. So I've been mucking around with compost, you know, for the last well ever since I've been out here really, and trying to make my own. That's been the real challenge: is getting a really good quality um, inoculum to make compost extract out of. Um, and Terry McCosker um, had um, David Johnson out here, and I listened to him in Dubbo, um, and they've developed this idea for a compost bioreactor. Um, and where the, the issues that we've been, we want to make fungal dominant compost, you know, because we all know that we need more fungi in our soil, we want that fungal bacterial relationship right, but getting compost to be fungal dominant has been, been the challenge. And the reason why it's been a challenge is that every time, it, when you're doing thermophilic compost, it gets up to heat um, and then you have to turn it so it doesn't, because it gets over a certain temperature over after three days, It'll um, it'll end up uh, being anaerobic and start selecting for anaerobic um, bacteria. So we have to turn it. So what we're doing when we're turning that, we're breaking up all that fungal filament, and then it's starting from scratch again. So what David um, and his wife, uh, the method that they came up with was basically putting. Um, they ascertained that biology it, it, that the anaerobic zone um, happens about. Um, uh, one foot or uh, uh, 30 centimetres away from, from air. So then all we have to do is have an air shaft within 30 centimetres. Mm. Um, so we set it up, put the – and it's all – how to do it's all on the on the internet. Um, you put all that stuff up there. Um, and um, so you – then the compost goes through that thermophilic phase um, and then it comes – the temperature will come down – um, to once it's done that and we don't turn it at all, we just it's a static pile, uh, and then it gets to the temperature that you can put the worms in, and um, and then the worms do the rest of the job. So you're getting the benefits of thermophilic compost as well as well as vermicompost, and there's no turning involved. So it, it's a real breakthrough um, because homemade compost is a laborious, bloody thing. It's one of those jobs I do, and you'd. You know, get busy with everything else, and you, you know the amount mm. of it's like the veggie patch, mate, isn't it? Like how many times you start the veggie patch and it just Go <laughs> falls by the wayside because right, you just yeah. get lost in everything else. So it's basically take some time, set it up, and then it just uh, um, put an automatic timer on the on the watering, mm. you know, for a minute a day or whatever with a weekly seven day timer, and it's easy. And I've I've built it, my own version of it to get a bit more scale. You know, I'm not I don't like shoveling or forks or anything like that um so mine involves tractors and and feed mixes and stuff like that my method of doing it and i'll make up a big batch um in these bit in these baskets that i showed you this morning um and you know do that i look to do you know two or three of them 
four of them, depending on how much I need, I suppose. So there's um, a couple of ton in each of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you yeah. use a you're saying you use a straw and a, and, a, and a wood chip mix and maybe a bit of manure as a as yeah. I just use whatever's about. Um, it, yeah, yeah. Which I think is the important thing, isn't it? It's like whatever you get your hands on. Yeah, get exactly. Too prescriptive about it. Exactly. And this yeah. is where, like I said, we've got to knock the knobs off this stuff, mm. and we're going to get mainstream to to um, to want to do it. Mm. Um, and that's you know, a guy and I. He's an agronomist and he deals with uh, with farmers and has seen, you know, that he said, you know, majority of my farmers that I service wouldn't even consider doing, you know, what we're doing when it when you're talking about bloody, you know, shovels and mm. doing it all by hand and taking you know, as long as it takes. But so that's why we're trying to develop these systems that it's a bit more um, user friendly and and can get a bit of bit of scale. A bit of scale about it. And tell me, when in a normal sort of a, um, a time frame, when do the worms go in after the like how many weeks or what's the time? So frame? it's just a, it's temperature driven. Yeah, right. Yeah. So would generally like how how long is it, is your experience that you that yeah um th- uh, yeah three to four weeks okay yeah yeah, yeah right yeah. and you get them have you got have you got those worms from another compost um, uh, pile or si- system you've got or you go and buy Bunnings, mate. Oh, really? <laughs> just red wrigglers that you can get your – I mean, I don't get them there now, but I, that's where I got the original. Yeah. Um, you get them right now from, from the one next door. Like you just get so them just get them from the next yeah, one. And they'll breed door. up and away they yeah. go. Yeah. So 12 months is the sort of the, the, the gestation, um, as it were, time for the <laughs> – For the system. And then um, you showed me this morning your um, uh, extraction sort of system. Just talk talk us through what's next. So we've made the we've made this 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 compost. Yep. So um, we've made the fungal dominant static. uh, Made the fungal dominant um, compost in the static pile. Um, Sorry, sorry. Just one more thing. Um, Do you do you inoculate that? Have you got some stuff you put in there to inoculate it, or the natural? Um, uh, fungal activity is. is oh, I'm is mucking around it. with different things, yeah. like okay. trying on different. You know, I muck around with fish and, um, yeah, put some lime in and stuff. Mm. in association with calcium and fung, you know, fungi yep. and all that sort of stuff. I like anything, just play around Good fun. with whatever. And yeah, it's just a. I mean, I'm, I'm improving, but you've got yeah. You really, my documentation hasn't been great in the past. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like. A, and so you do really need to to have that down. It's a results that count. Mm, yeah, but you do. If it's something does work really well, um, we need to know what it is that we did. Um, so, so I'm mucking around with that, and it, and like we're all sort of liquid inject with our fert with our cropping system. So I've got liquid um, uh, fertilizer through the ASP program that we use, um, and instead of using water as the carrier, I just use the. Um, will be using I didn't because it wasn't ready this year but I will be using the Johnson Sioux sort of next year in that in that brew and it, again it's just about it's that shotgun approach mm. uh, of um, uh, of restoring you know biological um, diversity but I still think there's there really is a place for that sniper rifle that we're trying to develop with soil carbon company like you know getting specific mm. Um, microbes that do a specific job with water stress relief or carbon fixation or uh, uh, um, you know um, solubilizing end fixing whatever that may be and making sure that they're in the in those significant numbers to get a reliable repeatable result every time and then you just throw the other stuff in um, as well but it's sort of I, d- I just think that's where the re- I think where regenerative can take that next level, where we're not actually leaving it to chance. It's sort of like build it and they'll come sort of approach. Mm. Where I think, it's t- like 
let's actually do the work and find out what's going on. I know we're not going to find out what, you know, there's so many things that happen in soil and so many intricacies there that we're never going to, to work out. But let's find, you know, if you want to win a Melbourne Cup, you don't head down to the Pony Club to, to, to you know, to <laughs> get yourself right. a horse, do you? You, totally. go, you go to the yearling sales with a, mm. with a bucket full of cash mm. uh, and that's what you do. And this is what how we need to look at um, uh, at this, you know, getting those racehorses that are out there that do specific jobs, um, you know, in that in that soil, reliably, mm. economically, um, and repeatability. You know, it's just key. You just can't. And that's what I said. My experience with the compost in the in years gone by, and that's obviously um, been back on me. It sometimes it would work really well, and I get a really good result. And other times I wouldn't see see anything and that's where it gets lost on on mainstream and that's why mm. we've got a habit so it's really um you know deployable accessible and yeah. re- and refi- refine the tool and know and know why yeah. um it's ha- it's happening you know yeah. like it's sort of that's um that's key i think that's farmers really understanding um what's happening when we're putting on soluble phosphorus as MAP or whatever, you know, if you actually knew how much you're getting and depending on your soil pH um, and soil type, you know, it's lost incredibly quickly and tied up and, and complexed uh, incredibly quickly in, in soil. You'd be horrified, but you think you're putting X amount of units on, mm. but you're only getting a fraction of those as soluble um, P to, to that plant. But the critical part is that you're impacting that 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 um ecological phosphorus pathway that's happening with that that plant microbe association and there's so many different ones mm. in there and that's where that's where the breakthrough really is i heard another one from john kemp the other day which i found fascinating saying that if a plant gets up, up to 60 uh, percent of its n as nitrate means it can be up to i think it was 50 percent less water use efficient or something really? and i thought wow that's because it needs different forms of N all the time, um, and if you're going to convert um, nitrate to to ammonium, um, what are you going to need? Like with nitrate, you've got um, NO3, and you've got to get to um, to um, ammonium. You where's your hydrogen going to come from? Yeah, you use a lot, use a lot of water, Split, yeah. splitting water atoms. Yeah, so you explain that to a farmer. Yeah. And you think, holy shit! Yeah, yeah, mate, like, and so, that's yeah. it's a good point, isn't it? it? It's a it's a <clears throat> ripper, and I think things like that that are that are really understandable, like that. It's not mm. woo woo, mm. um, bit of chemistry, bit of bit yeah. of bit of science. Yeah, so like, like yeah, okay, if you've got to use if you've got to use um, put N on, well, just be mindful of how, how you do it. You know, yeah, like we've got to. It'll yeah. impact the other inputs. Water, yeah, being water. Yeah, well, and what's our biggest limiting factor here in Australia with growing crops? Totally. Yeah, that's um, yeah stuff like that. I think it's really we've got to take the mysticism mm. out of it all, you know, and really like we need to spend those sort of mon- the money that we're talking about mm. on how we build soil life and soil health. If the same amount of imagine that mm. if the same amount of money was invested that's been invested in the destruction be a lot- in destructive. <laughs> Solutions inverted yeah. commas yeah. for agriculture being spent on actually systems mm. and technologies that build soil, we wouldn't be in the pickle that we're in. It'd be a long, long way ahead. Now, talking about um, 
not so much being in a pickle, but we were when we sat down here earlier, Mick, we looked out at your Manchurian pear there that's in flower in, in mid mid August. Mid August, which is um unusual to say the least. What's what's that as a farmer and you know, an observer, what's that saying to you? Yeah, I think um cocky's just moving in now. We're um, lucky they haven't been here. They were screeching away early this morning. Yeah. They um Mate, uh, it is for someone with me with a with a context and my head in the whole climate change problem. I look at this, I just think, wow, that to me is is scary. You know, it's nature's own, uh, like it's the finger on the pulse. You know, nature's mm. saying, oh, yep, it's time, it's springtime, and it's not. We're we mid August. Um, you know, and we're seeing that everyone's seeing got their own story about this this is an, an isolated incident where you've got tomatoes growing you know well into winter and um uh, things that just didn't didn't happen before um we are seeing um yeah we're seeing our climate changing before our very eyes i think and this what is it the there's the three stages of of truth is it that um, first thing uh, a truth is ridiculed um, next, it's vehemently opposed, and the third, it's um, it's um, taken as oh, we always knew that yeah. to be a fact, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think we're probably somewhere between the vehemently opposed and knowing that that it's a fact. So, mm. climate change, you know, like I said, twenty years ago, you'd have these discussions with people. And say, oh, I remember, buddy, you know, years ago they had temperature or whatever, and mm. you know, cherry picking data, but you. you You've got to look at, you know, we need the to, to use look at things objectively, and mm. you look at people say, oh, the Federation drought was way worse than the, you know, uh, than the Millennium drought, you know, and it went for longer, it was hotter or whatever. Well, no, we actually know that it was 0.7 of a degree hotter mm. for the Millennium drought than it was for the Federation drought. Mm. So, what does that actually mean? And that means that that's significant, like in as far as. Now, how we go in and out of droughts is is the ground dries up um, and then we have to, obviously the ground then has to, to fill up again before we go go out of drought again. So the hotter it is, um, the more likelihood we are of going into droughts more frequently. That yeah. is just a reality. That's just a reality. Yeah. And we've got this objective measurement mm-hmm. over time that we know that it's getting hotter. So, you know, our farming systems have to evolve and and we we can't necessarily do things the way we've always done them, you know. Like I said, our generation that came home that said, you know, we've got to go no-till, we've got to get the cattle off the paddocks, you know, we've got to pull out all the fences because we don't need them anymore and those trees, well, they can go too because, <laughs> fuck, they get in the, excuse me, they get, <laughs> right. they get in the way with the, uh, of the big gear. That's it. You know. More so trees, less grass. We've got to, less got to less pull them out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's now the next generation is going to come home and say, yeah, Dad, well, actually, you've been running them, but, you know. <laughs> It'll go full circle. It, it will, I think. We're going to need to get animals back into the system. Yeah. You know, we um, more, need a, more habitat. More, for, more biodiversity. Yeah. Um, we've got yeah. to get the fences back in. We've got to be able to control. You know, the animals are a really critical part of the yeah. of the system, and we're starting to learn that stuff now. And, you know, it's, the, it's that next generation, mm. I reckon, that are going to get what we're talking about here now and and see what it is that we're talking about and want to be a part of that solution, that'll be – they'll be the blokes at the pulpit preaching the gospel, you know mm. what I mean? This time they'll actually have 
um, the Messiah. <laughs> well, I hope that that's you know when when you know our the next generation, our children are you know in similar positions that that this sort of stuff is going to be more normal. You know, totally. that there'll be there'll be you know I trust and and pray that there'll be a continuation and, a, and, a, and an, as you say an, a, an evolution of the of the practices and the principles and all those sort of things. That 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 this is more of a mainstream idea and mainstream practice and and you know I'd like to think that um, we're not doing all the heavy lifting but we're doing a fair bit of heavy lifting now so that so that the job can just be got got on with you know as we as we as we step into the next generation you know I'd like to think definitely I think so it's you know we're at a point now like I said that that Paul Gilding alluded, uh, alluded to was we're dumb but we're not stupid. Mm. Everyone's attention now is is um low power mode. Buddy done it again. Low, low power mode. That's the one you want. Oh. Yeah, there you go. He went back on. Um, yeah, that that we've got the consumer's attention now. Mm. It's taken us. We haven't been able to do it before now. No. But we're just at the point now. There's much stake, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Saying, okay, now we actually got to do something, you know, mm. and we've got to hustle and we've got to hustle hard, and you know. We've got to have these market-driven solutions. Mm. So it's sort of there's a lot of uh, work being done in the states now on companion planting, and you know instead of growing monocultures, the only reason we grow monocultures is because it's, they're easy to plant, they're easy to harvest. Mm. Um, but we're learning it's at a significant cost um, to you know to to soil just to have that one species growing in a year and then a fallow period over the summer. Mm. That model has is now sort of breaking down but so we can grow things in a companion plant chickpeas and flax grow really well together you know canola and faber beans will grow really well together uh, plenty of evidence out there showing that that you'll you know um significantly reduce if not um replace the need for uh, fungicides with uh, with um chickpeas if you're growing them with with mm. with um linseed um or flax uh that that um, you know that we were doing, you might have four fungicides that have gone to nothing, or maybe one. Like that is a significant benefit to that farming system that you're mm. not putting that fungicide on. But then, what's a farmer going to do with that? Come harvest time, you've got the header rolling in. Uh, you know they want to keep going, and you've got to seg- you've got to put that somewhere. So then, where's the market facilitation there that that farmer can take that to town and deliver that mm. somewhere to someone who's paying a premium for it because that consumer realizes the importance of it you know so we've got like i said we've got to knock the knobs off this and make it easy for farmers to 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 adopt it's not up to the farmers as such we've got to facilitate and enable this movement Mm. farmers are a key piece but yeah we've got to it starts with the consumer and we've got to demand this sort of stuff and that's like that we're the genesis of it all is that awareness of the consumer and we're right at the precipice of that mm. now. And making that demand and making that supply as a result more normal, you know, again, back to back to normal. Now, talking about evolution, I'm, I'm conscious of the time. I think you've, you've, you've actually broken, you yourself, with no help from me, have broken all records here, <laughs> yeah, Mick. But I want to touch on something that sort of just left the centre there. We were talking about it there this morning, I think, and, and that's sort of a, um, you know, a, an evolutionary um, course we've both we've both done right um, landmark and um, something I, I met for those who don't know what it is I'm not going to go into all the detail you can look it up yourself but I guess you might get a sense of a sense of it in a minute but you know I met 
Angelica, my wife, at a landmark course yep. there in Sydney. Oh, gee, it was some years ago now. And um, I guess you know it's it's a it's a I call it a get your shit to get your shit together course because it was for, for me it was a, um, I'd had a number of people say you know oh I think you could <laughs> on reflection maybe they thought I was really in strife <laughs> you know three people said within a, within a month they said oh I reckon you go and do landmark and it's certainly a course that that we hear and see a lot about in the in the circles of RCS and HM and sort of associated businesses and and people because it's sort of become a bit of a cornerstone. Um, I guess you'd you know, call it personal development, if I can use that phrase, um, yep. a training program. So, and I, I met Angelica there, and she, um, I won't go into all the detail, but um, it was um, a very interesting place to meet someone in that, it, that one, if an attendee spends three or four days, there's a couple of different, there's, an, there's a sort of the forum and then the advanced, of course, and, and um, one is, uh, and you could probably explain it better than I, Mick. But you sort of you basically pulled 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 apart and put back together again in a number of days, aren't you? In a way, you're sort of really looking at how would you, how would you explain it? Because I'm I'm, I'm touching on it now, not just because you talked about it this morning, but for me, it's become a, a an amazing reference point for um, so many different things. Whether it's talking about friendships, behaviour, um, decision making. Um, just life in general, and 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 hopefully my own personal evolution. You know what 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 I guess what did it? How would you explain it? And what what did it mean to you? If I can ask, um, I, it was it was groundbreaking. Like I said, I've I'm a I'm one of those personalities. I'm a I'm a seeker. I'm up for anything. You know, let's go to a course or whatever. Yep, well, yeah. If you reckon <laughs> it's good, I'm up for it. So, um, I and it was yeah. It, it is a. It's a little hard to explain. Everyone gets their own their own thing, but it's basically the. You know, we all create stories about our own life, and we collapse our stories with reality. And it's all about breaking that down and how you've got in your pattern of thinking. So it's all about events that have happened to you through your life, and you make decisions as a as a child, um, and then you carry those decisions with you, and you get to realise as a, you know, I did it when I was sort of probably thirty, early thirties, I suppose that a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's it, mate. <laughs> um, that yeah, it's sort of. Um, you're you're still basing decisions off now of a decision that you made when you're when you're a kid and when you identify what that event was in your life that you made up a certain story, um, then it's really empowering to know you know to, it's a real insight. It's basically holding a mirror up to yourself and mm. and um, getting is to see why it is you operate the way you do um, and yeah and um, it, it's really. Really powerful. I, yeah, I recommend it. You know, everyone. Has it helped you in, in your in farming? I mean, um, in terms of I don't know decisions you made or, or or how you engage with someone or you know. Yeah, well, I was sort of doing a lot of the training with um, Landmark probably at the time and um, doing this sort of thing and uh, this whole idea about climate change and you know trying to make a difference and all that sort of stuff. We got these stories about ourselves, like, oh, well, how would I ever you know, doing anything, I'm only bloody farmer, Mika Trangy or, or whatever. And I suppose, you know, it's courses like that that have really been able to facilitate, um, yeah, my, I suppose, belief that, or naivety, <laughs> that we could, we, could, uh, uh, we could do that. So it's being, yeah, being a stand, I suppose, for what you, what you believe in and, and um, being okay with that. 
Yeah. Do you think farmers how, – how do farmers sit with that sort of stuff? I mean, do you, do you know many other farmers who have done Landmark? Or, Not a heap, know? I wouldn't say, no. But, oh. um, yeah, um, and I don't, you know, necessarily um, – I'll share it with people, you know, mm. that, that ask me, but uh, – Well, the world now. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Uh, Got him. But um, – Anyway, uh, like and, we're, said, and we're not—we're certainly not um, uh, scouters for this, by the way. I mean, like, there's no, there's hell no, no. there's no, there, no, and that's and that's, I guess, one thing they don't do is they don't necessarily—it's um, not advertised. That's the thing, and I'm, I'm only referencing it because it's—it's um, it's, it, um, yeah, impacted both of us, I suppose. Totally, so I can see totally, what, you're, yeah. what you're getting at, yeah. yeah. And that's um, and I think yeah, I think anyone anyone could go and do it, yeah, would get enormous amount of benefit mm. from doing it, no matter who you are or. Mm. Or what your background is. So much we can always learn about ourselves and how we can how we can improve. And totally, and I think that's a really healthy thing. And and um, you know, for me, you know, as as a farmer, and I know plenty of other farmers, there's lots of you know, there's lots of um, uh, I guess time spent on the development or the evolution of farming practices and the um, you know the the use of this or the the principles of that in a farming context. But I think um, you know. Oh, again, we touched on it this morning a bit. That there's also stuff that I that I I know I didn't used to work on, and I, I certainly do now. But um, and I don't know that a whole lot of farmers do. Is 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 sort of their relationship with themselves in a way, or, or their or their place in the world. You know, putting aside farming. You know, we had that conversation this morning. You know, you are not what you do. Mm. You know, and I think we often get caught up. And this is not criticism any anyone. If I'm criticizing anyone, it's myself. You know, from some years ago, but like. You know, I used to think I was a farmer and I did that and I did what Dad did and I did what I knew and and my world was pretty much governed by my occupation and my, and my daily routine. And then mm. I guess there was a point in time where, um, and definitely Landmark was a, was a turning point for me, that there was, a, there was an understanding that, you know, there's more to me than just being a farmer and there's more that I probably could be working on than, you know, what new chemicals should I be using or seed should I be, you know, variety that I should be using. You know, there was a sort of stepping into... You know that's all good and well, but if I'm not sort of in touch with myself and not sort of you know um, understanding how I tick, then I'm really not going to get a good handle on how my farm ticks or how 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 the world ticks. You know. Yeah, I, definitely. Yep. No, I agree with you 100 um, percent on that. And it just makes you realise. You know, we got. You think uh, when you're yeah twenties and thirties, you sort of got this idea that you're still you know you're going to be around forever now. You know, like I'm sort of getting towards fifty now, and I sort of start to think, geez, it's you know we're starting to get towards the back end, and um, <laughs> and are you we, not we, even half? Well, but I mean, you know, it's one of those things. It's sort of um, yeah, it's about how you know what your mark going to be on the world, what your legacy mm. you're going to going to leave, and um, you know, who knows, mate? This could all go go tits up, but you know, I'm putting myself out there, and we're having a crack, and and um, I just want to be a part of, you know, that's what Guy and I have always said when, when people might detract from Source Quest and you know the, the try and develop the inoculum, saying, "Well, we're up to, for, for anything." So, what's your what's your solution? Because we want yeah. to be part of that too, you know. Yeah, and that's yeah. where I get <laughs> I cringe a bit at the in the in the um. Documentary, uh, I say that um, you know uh, people say that um, they'll come up with something, you know. And I said, we are the they, you know, and mm. it, it sort of they use that as a as an excerpt to to sell it. And the back half of that was that, but we all need to be a they, yeah. you know. And this is the thing: it's if you're not 
uh, if you're not working directly on this problem, I've got to ask you what what the hell are you doing? What's your contribution? You know, we've all yeah. got to like what's your. It doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't have to be in agriculture. Mm. You know, it's just whatever industry you're in, we got to say, okay, how do I contribute? How do I support? How do I create a place to push? Mm. You know, that's what we've got to do. We've got to because consumers going, well, what the hell do I do? You know, how yeah. how am I going to make a difference? Mm. And that's where it's okay. This is what you do. And that's what we have to, you know, we have to facilitate that. Well, mate, I just want to say thank you for giving farmers a place to push because I think what you're onto and you and Guy and the team is going to be a significant game changer um, in the industry. And I applaud you for um, pushing on and being the they, and that that you know that there'll be many following. In your footsteps, I think, and the legacy you're going to be bringing is going to be significant. So, um, you know, thank you for pushing through through whatever ups and downs, and I know we all have them, but you know, there's sort of um, and just getting on with it and having the having the passion and the vigor to to to, to sort of have a vision for this and, and see what it could be because I I think that's um, your contribution is is going to be is going to be is, is obvious to me anyway. Mm. Thanks, Charlie, and that's you know, and same to you too, mate. I mean, you're doing your contribution by what it is that you do, um, and you know, it's really important that we all um, we all try um, and you know and do that. And I think it's um, it's just about, uh, I suppose, I spend a lot of time, you know, looking at this and being fearful of the future. Now I'm nothing short of inspired because being fearful doesn't service and uh, and this is why we've got to um uh, you know to come at it from that that angle of inspiration not fearful and that's where the whole thing with trying to frighten people into action on climate change doesn't doesn't work you know um and that's why we just need to inspire people that there are solutions um and all we've got to do is just hustle hard to um to you know to un to unearth them like yeah but I think it's a great place to finish. Um, my phone's full. Storage, <laughs> my story, iPhone storage full, it's telling me. I emptied that bloody thing out the other day. Um, so let's call it quits. And right. I've got to go and drain the spuds. I'm about to blow a gasket. Cool. And, um, mate, that's that's been a wonderful chat. I'm so glad we got to catch up. We covered a lot of ground. And as the rain pitter-patters in front of us here, that's a very fitting um, way to proceed through the day with a bit of rain, eh? Unless you had jobs yet to do outside, you didn't want to get wet doing. No, mate, no, that's it. I'm never going to whinge again. I think we're at, you know, we were at four inch rolling rainfall when the when the when the drought finally broke. So, and we're still not up to our average. So, to give yet. people a quick context, four inches in your rolling rainfall being over that that sort of previous twelve months. Where what what did that represent in a normal rolling rainfall? Your average is well, our average rainfall is nineteen inches. Yeah, right. So, so we're a, so it's significant deficit. So you anything short of the the wet season that we've had this year wouldn't have you know we just this is the challenges that we've got it's this uh, to rehydrate that mm. land that's been that's dried out so much just mm. takes so much rain totally there's a big deficit there isn't it mm. we can't think oh i mean i'm just thinking the same you know like oh we're gonna have a big spring i'm going yeah but we will we've got good rainfall now and we've got grass growing and the, the winter's been mild but i'm also thinking ooh, you know we went through a pretty tough patch i can't forget the fact that yes we're in a much better position but we've still got to be considerate of that how we got to this point Mm. You know what's potentially not under our feet right now that might normally be. You know, no, so in no. a in a normal spring, mate. Let's wrap it up. Right, mate. Um, well done.
Thank you. Mike. <laughs> Charles. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Um, such a wonderful interview there with Mick Wettenhall at Weemer Bar. It's not the first time I've stumbled over that one, Weemer Bar. Um, there at Trangy. Uh, and part one actually was um, nom- not so much nominated, but a couple of people um, did say that was probably their, one of their favourite interviews so far. So I'm not sure how they're now um, looking at that, given that part two is also on the airwaves. Very excited talking about airwaves. Next week's interview is with my good buddy Matt Moran, the uh, very well-known chef. Um, I've known Matt for some time now and have been um, following his journey, um, which he talks very much about and goes quite in-depth um, with our interview, um, which you can listen into next week. Um, we talk about all sorts of things, um, him growing up, his inspirations, um, to use olive oil or not, in cooking a steak and a few other interesting tidbits, um, but generally uh, all about his life and how he's been coping with COVID, etc. I won't spoil it all. Tune in next week to Matt Moran. Oh, and also, before I go, I just want to let you know that next month, in the month of December, on the 7th and 8th of December, we are, Hamish Mackay and I are running a two-day introduction to biodynamics workshop down at Alkina Wine Estate in the Barossa Valley. The Barossa Valley, can you believe it? We're finally going to get there. Some wonderful people down there growing beautiful wine, um, and we are very excited to get down there for the Monday, Tuesday, 7th and 8th of December. Um, some tickets left. Jump on board. Get on to charliearnett.com.au to secure your seats, and we are very excited to have as many crow eaters there as we possibly can, and anyone else who... Um, uh, knows anyone who might be interested, just flick them this um, podcast and or the, the, or the link. It'll be somewhere, somewhere on the website. So can't wait for, for that one down there. First time we've been to South Australia, I have with Hamish and um, very exciting. And also don't forget to vote for us in the Australian Podcast Awards uh, Listener's Choice category for um, the regenerative journey. Just go to the Australian Podcast Awards uh, website um, look for the 2020 awards. There'll be a listener's choice category there. Um, search for the regenerative journey and cast your vote. Um, so we're very excited about that. We were nominated in the top five um, uh, in the category for best interview in the top five for that. And the um, awards are announced on the 21st of November. So the listener's choice award votes close on the 18th so please get yours in as soon as you can we'd love your support very much um wish us the best of luck there you go enjoy matt moran next week and i uh, hope you enjoyed uh, mick wettenhall just now this podcast is produced by reese jones at jaeger media if you enjoyed this episode please feel free to subscribe share rate and review For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.